I'm Ryan. I'm the pastor at Ocean Water. Thanks for watching and listening today. Would you do me a favor? If you're new to this channel, if you're listening to it, would you please uh, like it and turn on the notifications? I've taught uh, over 261 Bible teachings now, and I'd love for you to share it with someone. This will help us to get the Word of God uh, into people's lives. We have about 31,000 downloads. Uh, my heart is to help people learn God's Word and let it be a little bit uh, more a part of their life every single day. Um, so if you'd share it, I'd really appreciate it and help God's Word get out there. Now today we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 17. We're talking about the church in Pergamum uh, today. Now Revelation 2 uh, verse 12 through 17 contains a, a message uh, to Jesus, from Jesus to the church in Pergamum. It's one of the seven churches that's mentioned uh, here in the book of Revelation. Now, in this passage, Jesus addresses both commendable aspects uh, and areas of concern uh, within this local church. Now, let's go through these verses, verse by verse, providing a detailed explanation uh, of their meaning and significance. Now, Verse 12 reads, To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. Now, in this verse, Jesus instructs John to write a message to this church. Now, the angel referred to here is likely uh, a symbolic representation of the messenger uh, or leader of this church. Jesus identifies himself as the one with the sharp double-edged sword. Now this imagery conveys that Jesus possesses the authority and the power to judge and discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now only God knows our heart. The double-edged sword symbolizes his word, which can bring both judgment and provide salvation for our lives. Now look at verse 13. It says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Anipis, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, the city where Satan lives. Wow, that's pretty gnarly. What does that mean? Well, in John here, uh, it states that Pergamum is the city where Satan has his throne. Now, he's using symbolic language to describe the spiritual atmosphere and challenges faced by this church, just like we face these challenges in our lives. This phrase signifies the pervasive influence of idolatry and false religious practices in this city. Now, this town was known for its prominent temples and altars dedicated to various pagan gods, including the worship of the Roman emperor. Does that sound familiar? It's the same way in our culture today. Now, by referring to Satan's throne, John is highlighting the stronghold that idolatry and pagan beliefs had there and how they have them in our lives. This city's devotion to false gods and worship represented an opposition to the worship of Jesus and posed a significant spiritual threat to that church. So Jesus is warning them not to be involved in this. Now, in essence, John's statement emphasizes the intense spiritual warfare faced by this church. They were surrounded by a culture that was rooted in idolatry and false teachings. Now, this serves as a reminder to us of the challenges and temptations that we will encounter 
in the environments in our life and that we're to have an unwavering commitment to Jesus in the midst of these spiritual battles. Now look at verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Now here, Jesus begins to address the issues within this church. He points out that some members have adopted the teachings of Balaam, an Old Testament figure who led the Israelites into sin by advising King Balak to entice them into idolatry and sexual immorality. Now, in the context of this church, this likely signified that some members were compromising their faith by participating in idolatrous practices such as eating food sacrificed to idols, engaging in immoral behavior. Now, Jesus sees this as a serious problem that needs correction. In verse 15, it says, Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now, who are the Nicolaitans? The Nicolaitans were a group that is mentioned in both the letter to the church in Ephesus and here in Revelation to the church in Pergamum. Now, there's kind of limited information about them, but it seems they promoted a form of antinomianism. It's a fancy word. It basically means uh, the belief that a person can indulge in sinful behavior without the consequences because they're saved by grace. This is a false teaching. We reap what we sow. This teaching encouraged compromise with the culture and to just sort of give in to immorality. Some of the members of the church had embraced this type of thinking. A lot of people act like Nicolaitans today. You know, if you love God and you're walking in the Spirit, you want to be as close to God as possible, not as close to sin as possible. My advice, stay as close to God as you possibly can. In verse 16, he says, Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, in this verse, Jesus calls the church uh, in Pergamum to repentance. Did you know he calls us to repentance, to do a 180, to quit doing things? Now, he warns them that that if they do not turn away from the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, he will come and he will fight against them with the sword of his mouth. This is really heavy. We don't want God fighting against us. This emphasizes the seriousness of the situation. Jesus, who originally identified himself as the one with the sharp sword in verse 12, now indicates that he will use his word to judge and correct those who persist in unrepentant sin. Lastly, verse 17 says, whoever has ears, Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. This is a pretty cool promise. In this final verse of this passage, Jesus encourages all those who hear this message to listen and to take heed. The phrase, whoever has ears, let him hear. It's a call to spiritual discernment 
and obedience. To obey is better than to sacrifice. The promise to the victorious or the one who overcomes suggests that those who resist the temptations and false teachings in the church will receive spiritual blessings. The hidden manna likely represents spiritual nourishment or sustenance that only the faithful will enjoy. This brings us back to the manna that was provided to the Israelites in the wilderness in the Old Testament. Now, the white stone with the new name is more symbolic and might indicate a new identity or a special relationship with Jesus that only the recipient will fully understand. As we draw close to God, he draws close to us. So let's sort of wrap all of this up. This passage today contains a message to this church. It commends them for their faithfulness in a challenging environment, but admonishes them that tolerating false teachings and sinful practices are no bueno. The passage emphasizes the need for repentance and promises blessings to those who remain faithful. God wants us to be faithful. It also underscores the authority of Jesus' word in bringing judgment and correction to the people who follow him. Well, as always, thank you so much for joining along. I hope this blesses you. Please share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you have a beautiful day.